No one gets criticized as much as our matriarch Sarah, as Sarah. And the criticism is so incredible, and it seems like when you read the story in the Torah, there's no way out. And the questions seem like they're much better than the answers. And it's not like you have to look deeply into the Torah to have these questions. Just read the story, and you're right away like, what's going on? And the truth is that if you look into the Torah, there seems to be an undercurrent of a war that's going on between Avraham and Sarah, to Abraham and Sarah, throughout a few Torah portions. And it comes to a climax in, the, in this Torah portion, and it doesn't seem to have any easy answers. You look at it, and you're wondering, and you look at it every different angle, and, it, and it, you're left with like shaking your head like, this is our matriarch? And the truth is that not only is Sarah our, our matriarch, but... You know, on a Friday night, we, we sing the song, Eishas Chayel, Woman of Valor. Where did that song come from? That song was from the funeral of Sarah. Abraham sang that song. He made that song in honor of Sarah. That's why it says, in the, in the, and it could re, if you look at it carefully, you could tell it's a eulogy. The first line is, who can find a woman of valor? Meaning he just lost her. She laughed on her last day. It's, it's it's talking about her last day of life, and and yet, although the Torah says such incredible things about her, also in last last week's Torah portion, we have in the beginning of the Torah portion where Abraham and Sarah are traveling, and Abraham right away tells Sarah, "We're going to arrive in Egypt. We're going to be in trouble. Tell everybody that we're not married. Tell everyone that you're my sister. I'm just a driver. You know, I'm I'm just a, your brother. I'm, I work for Uber, and that way I won't get in trouble because if you say that you're my husband." They're going to kill me to take you. So why wasn't Avram concerned that what might happen to Sarah? Why was he saying, oh, just, 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 I'm worried about me. Why wasn't he worried about her? So the Zohar says because Abraham knew that Sarah was greater than him. Sarah had a greater prophecy than him. So much so that God told Abraham, whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. She has more insight than you. She has more prophecy than you. And so Abraham actually saw Sarah whenever she traveled. He saw an angel go with her. So, so Abraham knew that she was greater than him. Not only did she have more prophecy than him, she had more holiness than him, and Abraham felt protected because of Sarah. So obviously you can't, you can't um, explain these, these questions with, well, she was human, she had challenges, and she, she failed. You can't use those words about, about our matriarch Sarah. Sarah is our matriarch. She's a mother of the Jewish people. So before we try to get to the answers to the questions, we have to go through the questions, but... But don't get um, don't get lost in the questions. There are the good answers to these questions. In fact, if we go deeply into this story. We're going to see that there's absolute clarity in who Sarah was and why she is our matriarch and why we look at her as Aishas Chayal Miyimsa, as someone who is unparalleled in her greatness. So, story begins: Abraham and Sarah married for many, many, many years. They don't have any children. So Sarah tells Abraham one day. I want you to marry Hagar. Hug, who was Hagar? Hagar was raised in the mighty, in the superpower of the time, in the house of the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh saw how great Abraham was. He saw how incredible he was. He says to his daughter, you know what? 
these guys are have something to them. They're they're incredible people. I want you to join their household. Be a, better be a maid in their household than to be a princess in my household. And so she joined their family for many years, and she was a maid servant. She was a concubine, whatever. And one day, Sarah says to herself, says to Abraham, I see that I'm not being blessed with children. Maybe I will be blessed by you marrying her. Why will he be blessed if Abraham marries Sarah? For two possible reasons. One is that if she has children, their children will be considered like my children. And also, she felt like she'll tell God, like, look what I'm willing to do to have children. I'm willing to sacrifice so much to have children. So therefore, God, accept my sacrifice. Look what I'm willing to do. And let me have children as well. So she brings in her, her maidservant to be a co-wife with Abraham. And right away, uh, Hagar is pregnant. So she wasn't Jewish. Well, the whole concept of Jewish yeah, was hard to, to. It's not such a yes or no question in that time, but uh, because because uh, how did you become Jewish? What made you Jewish? It wasn't like the Torah was giving yet. But it's, it's a bigger subject. Uh, the short answer is that on the surface she wasn't. But uh, if you start that question, what we'll the Goldman? Co- she was or she wasn't. It's it's a bigger it's a bigger subject than that we're going to be able to answer just in one word answer. But uh, that's another time. So. She marries Abraham, and she does have a child, and she's pregnant with a child, and when she's pregnant, as soon as she's pregnant, Sarah starts being very mean to her. That's what Torah says. She starts paining her. She's in, under such duress from Sarah that she, flee, she flees out of the house. She runs into the desert, and an angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a wonderful child, and this child's going to be... Uh, he, he, and, and go back home and, and suffer under your... You're under your under your, your master, under your mistress, suffer in her hands, and you'll have a child, and his name will be Yishmael. God has heard you. Yishmael, Hashem has heard you. So she does go back, and and uh, she does have this child, and Nachmanides famously says that Sarah sinned by tormenting her, and we are suffering because of what Sarah did, and that's why Yishmael, he is looking to have this love of a father who had, who had um, love of, of, of Abraham. And that's why he is tormenting the Jewish people. That's why the seed of Yishmael fights and is attacking the Jewish people. It's because Sarah tormented Hagar. And the Torah continues. She has a child. And miracle of miracles, Sarah has a child. And when they're growing up, Sarah's child Isaac Yitzchak is with Yishmael and she looks out the window and Sarah is very upset. Why is she upset? The Torah says that Yishmael is playing with Isaac. How are they playing? So some say some commentaries say the word playing is a code for Yishmael was engaged in bloodshed. He was, so to speak, uh, pretending just to play. He was using, let's play bow and arrows. Except they're using real arrows. And he's playing with his little brother. Let's play bow and arrow, and let's see you. You're going to be the target, and so she saw how murderous her son, her her uh, Hagar's son was, and she's like, "Get this kid out of here! Send this son, away, send this boy away from the house." Other commentaries say that she saw that Yishmael was involved in 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 uh, immorality. He was he was not just murderous, but he was idolatrous, and he was also an adulterer. And so she says, nowadays you don't have to say there's three interpretations. You're just had a smartphone, and he told Isaac, "Hey, look, look at my smartphone!" And she, he's teaching him all the terrible, most terrible things you can get 
the most terrible things in an unfiltered smartphone. So, um, so she tells Abraham, send this boy away. And Abraham doesn't want to send him away. Abraham's like, what do you mean send him away? He's my child, I don't want to send him away. And, uh, but God says to Abraham, whatever Sarah says, you have to, and there was a fight, it was like a war, like Abraham didn't want, and God said, you have to send him away, and, and eventually he does send him away, and it doesn't look like from the Torah that there was much connection between Abraham and Ishmael afterwards. There was later on in the Torah a story of, of, of Avram meeting Ishmael, but, um, but is there sent away? What happens after the sent away? Many years later, Sarah dies. What does Abraham do after Sarah dies? He remarries Hagar. He's married to Sarah for 100 years, and then after she passes away, he brings back Hagar. And he has six more children with Hagar, and after he has six children with Hagar, he sends them away. He gives them gifts and he sends them away. What is going on over here? First of all, why is Sarah tormenting Hagar? Why is she sending, why is she so upset at Abraham that she wants to send the child away? Why is he, Abraham remarrying Hagar? And if he's remarrying her and he has six children with her, why is he sending the children away? What is going on? This whole story doesn't, doesn't make any sense. He marries her, he sends her away. So to add to all these questions, let's add another question, which will help us get to the answer. The, the Zohar says that there was a man named Rabbanah. Rabbanah, he was marking the graves of the patriarchs. And he sees, and while he's marking the graves of the patriarchs, he actually gets to meet the patriarchs, who are alive in heaven, and, and also not just alive in heaven, but they're alive in this earth as well, because the, the um, a body of a Jew contains the holiness of the soul. That's why, that's why cremation is such a tragedy, because the soul remains connected with the body even after the passing. And so just like you know, the Nazis, Imach Shemam, would pe- burn people alive, so it's in a similar way, if someone does cremation, it's like, it's like it's, you're, you're killing someone who's alive, you're burning part of their soul. So anyway, so Rabbi Noah, he actually got to witness the, meeting Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and, and their patriarchs and matriarchs, and he saw Abraham. What was Abraham doing? Abraham was lying in the bosom of Sarah, and Sarah was taking lice out of Abraham's head. That's what the, that's what the Zohar says. What, Sarah was taking lice out of his head. What does that mean? She has lice, Abraham's taking, she's taking lice out of his head. What is going on here? What does the story mean? So one of the things that we read about in the Women of Valor it says in the Women of Valor, in that, in, that, in, that, in that section of Proverbs, it says that she sought flax and wool. Flax and wool. Now, flax and wool, according to the Torah, is something you don't mix together. Now it's called shatnas. Have you heard of shatnas before? Yeah. So you're not allowed to mix flax and wool. And yet, Sarah is mixing, she's looking for flax and wool. What does that mean? That's wool and linen. Wool and linen, yeah. Flax is, yeah. So what does that mean that she's looking for flax and, 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 and uh, linen and wool? What does that mean? Wool and, wool, uh, sorry, wool and flax. Yeah. Anyways, so what does that mean? So Chaim Brisker says an amazing explanation. He says like this. When, a, when God told Sarah that Ishmael has to leave the house, so Abraham had a claim. How could we possibly ask Ishmael to leave the house when there's an issue. The issue is, the Torah says, if you have two children with two wives, one wife is a beloved wife, one, wife's not the, one wife is less beloved, the Torah says you're not allowed to ignore the less beloved wife because of the 
שלום עליכם. שלום עליכם, your name is? אורן. אורן. Oh, you are the famous long lost brother. Just arrived. Okay, welcome, welcome. Thank you. We have to create a few soon, right? You need to create, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, Sarah is challenged by Abraham. You can't send this child away because there's a law in the Torah. If there are, he died already. He died already. Oh yeah. So basically, my wife is asking, do we need to get another person for marriage or? Sally is coming. He's not David. Oh, the way. And you haven't done either. So I did. I did. He's not David. You David? I David. You David? Not one. Six. No, one or two or three or four. We need one more. One more that hasn't died. I think there's one more coming. Anybody who's interested in eating ice cream now probably hasn't died. I'll go to Munchies. Anyone who's eating ice cream now is just a rule of thumb. You're eating ice cream at, at uh, 8 o'clock. You probably haven't. Okay, anyways, so. So, so Sarah is challenged by Abraham. How can you send this child away? The Torah says if you have two wives, you're not allowed to send away the less beloved child because of the more beloved child. So you say I should favor Isaac. The Torah said you can't favor the wife and the child of the wife you love more. So how can, how can you send, tell me to send Ishmael away? So to answer this, Sarah says, what about the law of wool and linen? The Torah says you can't have wool and linen together, but there's an exception. In Sitzis, you're allowed to have wool and linen together. Why? Because a positive commandment of wearing Sitzis overrides a negative commandment of mixing together the wool and linen. So since God himself is saying to send away Ishmael, that pushes away the negative commandment of don't favor the less beloved son. So that was, that's an analogy. Another interpretation of this analogy is that just like who brought wool and linen to God as a gift? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel each brought to God uh, wool. One brought wool, one brought from the fruits of the earth. And so the Torah is saying that maybe Cain and Hevel, they were brothers, but there's a time when brothers have to be separated, otherwise, otherwise it could be bloodshed. So similarly, God told Abraham, it's time for this child to go. He has to leave the house. But well, why do you have to leave the house? It seems like on the surface, Sarah's jealous of the other wife because she has pregnant and she wasn't pregnant. And it's, it's obviously we can't say that about Sarah. So what's really going on? To understand this, to go very, very deep into the Torah, to understand this a little better. Avram had a very unique mission in this world. What was his mission in the world? Avram is called the father of all the nations. Avram wasn't just the father of the Jewish nation. He's called the father of all believers. The fact that there are believers in the world today, not just Jews, but all over the world, the Muslims and the Christians and billions of people believe in God, it's all from Abraham. And it's not just because Abraham taught it to the world. It's because Abraham also fathered the nations of the world. It says in the Medrash, Avram had three wives. Sarah, Hagar, and Keturah. Rashi says that Keturah was Hagar. Hagar later got her name Keturah. Keturah means that she cut, she cut herself off from marrying anybody else after Abraham sent her away from the house, and Abraham remarried her, so Abraham was Keturah. Oh, Shalom Aleichem. Meyer, if people are here. Joel, you probably davened already, right? Oh, wonderful. I know you never do the sin of praying the evening service. I know I can count on you. All right. Let's just wrap up this class and then we'll do the evening service. 
Okay, so Yishmael, Avram is, is the father of three nations. He's the father of the Jewish nation through Sarah. He's a father of Yishmael, and he's a source of also all the Arab nations. And that was through the, his wife, Hagar. And according to another interpretation, he had a third wife, Keturah, a different wife, not Hagar, a different person, Keturah. Who was Keturah? Keturah was from the third son of Noah. Noah had three sons. Shem, Ham, and Yefes. So Hagar was from, from Africa, from Egypt. Sarah was from Shem. And, and the third wife, Keturah, she was from Yefes. She was from Europe. And so Abraham had his father not only the Jewish nation, not only the, the Arab nations, he also fathered the European nations, the, the Christian nations. In fact, Esav, the word Esav, it has the same letters as JC. Abraham also was the father of that, that religion as well. Belief in God comes from Abraham. Of Esav, course, Esav, the, the same Jesus? letters as Yeshua. So the question is, what's Avraham Ashkenazi or Safad? <laughs> if you say Avraham, or you say Avram. So Abraham is a father of belief in God. He, he's a father, he wasn't she taught the world faith in God, he was a father of the nations who believed in God, but Sarah wasn't. Sarah was different. What was Sarah's role in the world? Sarah wasn't just meant to be the father of all the nations, the world, the father of belief in God, the mother of belief in God. No, Sarah was the mother of the Jewish nation. She was about her child, Yitzchak. And that's why she didn't want Yishmael to have prominence in the home. And Isaac, it wasn't just about prominence, not prominence. It was about the unique role of the Jewish people. Yes, the Jews have to teach the nations of the world about belief in God. But then there is a unique role of what it means to be a Jew. Being a Jew means that your essence is an expression of God. Not just that you, that you teach the world about God, but you are different. Your, your whole essence is about God. Let's conclude with one story and let you guys go. The, the Talmud says a story about a man named Shmuel who arrived, he wanted to beseech the king on behalf of the Jewish people, and when he arrives at the king's palace in, in the beach near the palace, he notices this pearl necklace. He sees this pearl necklace, and he's never such, such such big pearls before. Wow, who does belong to? And he hears a royal uh, announcement, announcement from the king. The majesty of the king has announced the queen has lost her necklace. Anyone who returns the necklace within 30 days is going to be given an amazing gift. But if you return the necklace at 31 days, off with your head. So what does this Jew do? He holds on to the necklace for 30 days. And, 30, and the 31st day he comes to the palace. Hi, um, I have a message for Her Majesty, Her Highness. What's the message? I have a, some information about the pearl necklace. He comes in, Your Majesty, I found your necklace. She looks at the necklace, and she, first she's very excited. But then she's like, one second. You must have just arrived in this country, right? No, no, I'm here for a couple of weeks. You must have just discovered the necklace. No, I found it three days ago. Thir did you know that I made an announcement? If you find it within 30 days, get rewarded and 31st day you get off with your head I did so why didn't you return the necklace till now he said 
If I want you to know that I didn't return the necklace because I wanted to get a reward. If I return it before, look, like I want to get a reward. Look, like I return the necklace because I'm afraid of punishment. That's not why I return the necklace. I return the necklace because this is something that God told us in His Torah to return lost objects. We have this. We have a Torah, and this is what God told us. She was very impressed, and and this His mission was was successful. So Sarah's mission was to be the mother of the Jewish people, different than Abraham, and therefore she had a different vantage point of understanding what exactly had to happen in her home between Yishmael and Yitzchak, what's supposed to happen and Abraham he got it eventually eventually although Abraham had, to, had a mission of, of fathering all nations but after Sarah passed away although Abraham remarried Hagar, remarried Keturah had six more children, what happened with those children he didn't give them his inheritance to them, he gave his inheritance only to Isaac, he sent them away he bought a burial place for Sarah, he bought land that should belong to the Jewish people in other words, Abraham eventually took on the, the, the mission of Sarah and the unique role of the Jewish people. Yes, he was a father of all believers in the world. The Maimonides says that the Christians and the Muslims have appeared the world for Mashiach because, because of the Christians and the Muslims, the whole world talks about the Torah and its commandments. And yes, they, they, they don't have it right and they don't have the, the perspective that we do of the truth of the Torah. But there is a, when Mashiach will come, everyone will, 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 will be able to easily identify with what has happened because of all of the, the uh, fake news that sounds like the real news about that, that, that's been spread through, the, uh, through all the, all these other religions. So this is why the Torah tells us about Sarah and how she sends away Hagar. It's not about a simple family uh, uh, quabble between her and the other wives. It has nothing to do with that. Sarah realizes the unique role of the Jewish people. She's not like Avram. She's a different role. Her role is the Jewish people. And her child, Isaac, it's not about her child over the other child. It's about the, our unique role as the Jewish people. And that's why the Torah tells us this, so that we should know that we have a unique mission in this world. Yes, we have to teach the world about belief in God, etc. But we have to not just teach them by intermingling with them and being like them. We have to realize that we have to be on the giving side, not on the we 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 have we, we're different. We're different. We have to give, not just not just we have to teach. We have to teach with with um, intermingling with the world. But let me tell you one more story and let you guys go. Final one more last story. Last story. There's a good story. Kasal, you hear the story. It's a the one of the biggest purchases that happened in Israel was by a man named, you may have never heard of him, his name was Bill Gates, you heard of Bill Gates and Warren Buffett? Anyways, so Bill Gates was on a plane with a bunch of Israeli journalists. And the Israeli journalists uh, are, you know, they're curious, they speak to Bill Gates, hey Bill, you know, uh, one of the Israeli journalists says to Bill Gates, he says, hey, you have so much money, you have $70 billion, you know, what, what do you think you could do with that money? You're going to buy maybe, you know, uh, Japan, wait, 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 what do you want to do? So Bill Gates says, there's one thing I can't buy, I can't buy the Jewish Shabbat. I can't buy a Shabbat. And he says, what do you mean you can't buy a Shabbat? He says, do, do some research. He did some research. What happened? The Microsoft had made this major event where they invited this Chabad man named uh, Kivi Bernhardt to, to be the, to be the um, main keynote speaker. Kivi Bernhardt checks his schedule. He looks at his schedule. It's on Shabbos. I can't come on Shabbos. So they, they already planned this. Bill Gates already set this up. And, he's, and, and, and Kivi Bernhardt said, I'm not coming. And they're like, what does a Jew mean when he says he's not coming? He means pay me more. So they double the salary, they double the salary, and he's still not coming. So what does he want now? And look, it's, it's Shabbos. He can't come on Shabbos. 
So Bill Gates can't believe this, and and but it's this this is the truth. And they had to re, he said let's okay, let's let's change the date. They changed the date, and they invited Kivi Bernhardt, and he came, and it was wonderful. We have something unique in us, something unique, and and we and that's why we're still around. There's something infinite in the Shama. We have to realize who we are and what we have to give, and we'll soon be revealed. Mashiach will come, the majesty of the Jewish people. Chaim. Chaim.